wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your host, uh, your Drive Time host, every Tuesday and Wednesday. And what an incredible privilege uh, it is to be able to host that uh, that program. Thank you so much for joining with us. This week, uh, just before Christmas, we're looking at the birth of Jesus Christ. On Monday, we had uh, Nick and uh, Pastor Will. Uh, They uh, asked the question, what caused all the excitement? And on that day, uh, Nick and Will uh, looked at the multitude of messianic prophecies fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. Yesterday, I was speaking with uh, Eric about why is uh, the birth of the Messiah just so important for the world in which we're living uh, today. Today, uh, we are speaking uh, again on an issue that is certainly controversial in many circles. The question today, is a virgin birth, is a belief in virgin birth actually reasonable? Uh, Today... Our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher. Now, David's the lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. Hi, Gary. How are you going? And good afternoon, listeners. It is fantastic to have you you back again. Just a couple of sleeps until Christmas. I wouldn't even know how many days that is, but my children, I'm sure, would. The countdown is certainly on. Tell us, David, what is your favourite Christmas childhood memory? Yeah, really good question. This is good about live radio, isn't it? Uh, yeah, for me, I guess, um, it was always catching up with family. Um, uh, you know, I'm not as old as you, but I'm older than many people, and which puts you into quite a different it age does. bracket. It puts me into an abominable age but, bracket. But uh, I remember, the reason why I said that, I remember sprinklers and running uh, down, um, you know, plastic sheeting in summer and with sprinklers on, um, cricket, playing cricket every Christmas um uh, lunchtime or after lunch was always a Oh, uh, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. The granddad always goes and has a sleep. Um, but the, um, uh, but the kids are out the backyard, uh, with Uncle Fred, I think, as the song, song goes. And, uh, they're playing cricket in the backyard. If you haven't had a game of cricket in the backyard recently, uh, then folks, you now this is the time to, uh, to really bring, uh, bring it back in. Yeah. I guess one of the other things, um, that I did when I was a child and, and with my, my brother and my cousin and a couple of others was we'd always be into making billy carts with um, gearbox bearings and all sorts of things, these yeah. metal wheels and there was a track, a concrete path, winding path near us and we'd come off our, our go-car billy carts at high speed and you'd have all these rip skin and flesh and that was that was Christmas. Yeah, no, I, I can well remember very similar memories actually. It was all the uh, neighbourhood uh, young people and we also had billy carts. Our, our uh, street was quite a hilly street actually. You'd go to the top of the street. Uh, of course, you had to do it on the path. You weren't allowed to do it on the road uh, so you could mow down any pedestrians uh, but uh, uh, in those days you were able to do things that you can't do uh, these days but uh, the billy carts were certainly a real feature of, uh, of this in fact, the entire summer vacation. True, uh, it was it was really good. Do you, do you have any um, Christmas traditions in your family? 
Look, not, not really. I mean, Christmas uh, in my own family, genetic family, was always, it was, it was about a meal, I guess, and inviting family coming together. But also, uh, I remember my father distinctly would uh, be inviting neighbours who were by the, on, the, on their own and also church members that were on their own. And, mm-hmm. and I know uh, moving to Adelaide uh, when I got married, um, my mother-in-law would do exactly the same thing. She would invite people over that um, had nowhere to go or didn't have any family, etc. So, yeah, I think that's a really special part, I guess, um, looking out for other people that might be isolated or lonely. And I guess we're living in an era now, aren't we, Gary, where yeah. ev- even more so this is the case. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a really beautiful tradition, isn't it? You know, it's certainly something you can reflect back on. And your own children actually learn so much when they see mum and dad doing exactly that sort of thing absolutely and also i think um you know with my dad as a young person he would take me out to visit people on christmas day and often dropping off hampers yeah and food and those sorts of things to people and i guess that's really stuck with me Uh, that really is the christmas giving spirit isn't it because so often we tie giving up with giving some commercialized um a present to somebody whereas if i'm actually giving them some something catering for their needs uh that really sends a powerful message it really does takes the focus off ourselves doesn't it and i think um finally and i guess this is a secular perspective um the other thing that i really enjoy uh, about christmas and holiday season is uh, working outside in the garden or doing something and listening to the cricket on the radio very true. The Boxing Day match. That's exactly indeed, it. Indeed, indeed. No, that's really fantastic. Uh, David, thank you so much for sharing that. Look, let's just come to our World Watch uh, segment because, uh, to me, I picked up an article. The article's probably a week or so old uh, at the present time, but I uh, I picked it up uh, and it sort of pointed to a huge disconnect uh, to me and I'd really appreciate your feedback on it. Uh, it was uh, it came from the uh, Christian Headlines uh, website that I uh, like to like to frequent and uh, the title was anti-Christian hate groups rose 70% in Europe between 2019 and 2020, a study finds. Now, now to me, this pointed to a huge disconnect because at the present time, of course, where uh, Christmas is the uh, re- Christians remember the birth of Jesus Christ, and yet at the same time, uh, this article is reporting an increase in anti-Christian hate crimes. Now, there's a disconnect here somewhere, but just listen to what they what they said. According to a new study by the Observatory on Intolerance Against Christians in Europe, anti-Christian hate crimes crimes in Europe rose by 70% by between 2019 and uh, 2020. The uh, organisation, a Vienna-based watchdog organisation, published a report this month highlighting the declining religious freedom, freedom of conscience and parental rights in uh, that European Christians are facing. Citing the annual hate crimes report by the Office for Democratic Institutions and Human Rights from the Organisation for Security and Cooperation in Europe, uh, the uh, OIDAC uh, noted that there were 981 anti-Christian hate crimes committed in Europe. Now, of course, this is Western Europe. This isn't uh, Eastern Europe. Uh, last year, compared to 578 in 2000. 2019. This meant an increase of 70% in anti-Christian hate crime since last year, the report said. Our numbers speak louder uh, than uh, than this. Uh, this is one of the reasons that the organisation was founded uh, 10 years ago. 
because there's no other organisation reporting and raising awareness on this phenomena in Europe. Amid rising secular intolerance and Islamic oppression, the study considered the hate crimes towards Christians in France, Germany, Spain, Sweden and the UK. Now, they're, you know, West, secular Western democracies. Uh, this, uh, these countries were selected because, according to our observations, Christians face the most difficulties in them. Uh, the organisation explained. The findings of the report are based on a variety of data we collected. The majority of our data is based on descriptive cases, an extensive questionnaire and in-depth interviews with experts and afflicted Christians. While hate crimes were more frequent in France and Germany, they were harsher in Spain and France, the organisation added. The report also found that the UK had the highest number of prosecuted hate speech cases. Meanwhile, Christians right, uh, the Christians' right to conscientiously object is being simultaneously threatened in Sweden, France and Spain. The absence of the conscience clause in Sweden is already affecting Christian professionals and uh, and intentions to alter this clause in France and Spain could lead to a complete exclusion of Christians in certain professions, the organisation warned. According to the Christian Post, the report contends that the opposition to conservative Christian moral views results in secular intolerance. In other words, they're linking a Christian view on moral issues with secular intolerance. This polarization also appears to be promoted by sensationalist and and a religious illiterate media that stigmatizes and marginalizes religious voices in the public debate, the report added. Now, David, to me, this this report started to, you know, I suppose, throw up in my mind a, a huge question because, to me at least, there appears to be this amazing disconnect. You know, right now we're uh, we're celebrating the the Christmas season, and of course, for for Christians, that celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ. And yet, on the other hand, here in Western democracies, are Christians who are standing up for the principles that Jesus Christ are taught on issues, for example, like morality, are actually facing significant um, um, persecution. Uh, it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? And, and I mean, it's some of these countries that you list, I'm just thinking of, you know, Germany, for example, in the United Kingdom. We know that only, um, you know, four or five hundred years ago, uh, this was the, the hotbed for the, the Protestant Reformation. These couple of these countries, Germany and the United Kingdom, uh, which were all about, um, the word of God and upholding biblical principles. So it's amazing, although it shouldn't shock us to see that many of these countries, uh, are becoming far more secularized and, yeah, conservative Christian values and even, um, Clearly, what's taught in Scripture on some of these topics is being pushed out of the public sphere. And we even see it in our own country, don't we? Uh, you know, certain states uh, are putting through legislation, mm. um, which which causes all sorts of challenges for, for Christians that hold biblical principles and conservative Christian principles based on Scripture. 
We also see it, I believe, in our day and age in Australia with right before us, there is this religious discrimination bill through mm, Parliament mm. or going through Parliament. I think it's in a committee stage. And what we find with that is the bill has been uh, watered down, so to speak, from its original uh, you know, drafts yeah. and really doesn't hold any real... Um, it has some values, I believe, definitely for, for us as Christians, but they're not absolutely significant and yet there is still uh, not only in the media but there are other groups out there really trying to say this has gone too far when really it has really nothing uh, not a whole great deal in there yeah yeah no look i appreciate what you're actually saying there because uh, this is this is something that was going to be actually my my very next question because uh, you know are we pointing a trend line here you know is this a trend within western democracies which of course includes australia whereby christians are going to find life harder to live genuine biblical Christianity. I, I believe that is definitely the case. Uh, I mean, I think of, uh, I don't believe any uh, religion should be discriminated against. Mm. Um, but I guess my own perception is that things such as the Eastern religions are uh, talked about very positively in the media. Uh, they're out there in society, they're upheld uh, and affirmed. But uh, you talk about Christian values and biblical principles, Yeah, that's perhood. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, David, look, I really appreciate what you're actually sharing there because uh, to me I, I'm just so conscious of uh, numerous people that I am aware of that we that are, are struggling with various issues that their society is throwing at them right this this very moment. To me, you know, a lot of people don't actually realise is that the, the last probably 30, 40, 50 years have been almost abnormal throughout Christian history because uh, throughout that uh, throughout most of Christian history Christians have actually been uh, under some degree of of persecution uh, since probably the second world war we've had almost a unique period where that largely hasn't been the case you know where people who want to follow biblical, and I'm talking biblical Christianity here, I'm not talking about those who just want to go with the flow, but people who genuinely want to um, follow a biblical form of Christianity have generally been facing some form of discrimination. And that's really significant to me, Gary, because in our generation, in our country, in Australia, what you say is correct by and large. And so really it's an aberration that we've been living in. Yeah. We know that Jesus promised and predicted that freedoms and persecutions and people would be taken before courts and, and governors and councils. So we know that this thing has happened in the past. Uh, we know it's going to happen in the future, but many of us haven't experienced it in our yeah, country. You speak yeah. to people from Eastern Europe and other communist countries that have come to Australia. Yeah. They know what it's like. Yeah, yeah. And certainly I've had church members who have certainly come from those countries and the stories that they can tell uh, about uh, the impact on their own faith and the uh, the methods that they had to employ in order to be able to worship God uh, is certainly for us is something that uh, I have I have heard about but certainly hasn't occurred in our particular country here. Uh, I, uh, I I I'm starting to wonder, you know, are we moving back in exactly the same direction here? And look, I believe we are. What we need to remember through all of this is that God knows the beginning from the end. He promises to be with us always. He promises to give us the Holy Spirit who will give us words to speak yeah. at the right time. And it's interesting. It's actually at those times where the church 
grew most powerfully. Now, that's correct. And if we look in the parts of the world where there is oppression, the Christian church is, is flourishing in many of those regions, whereas in what we would call the, the, the you know, Western societies, we're often struggling. It's often the migrant uh, population that comes in that brings growth. So, yeah, I, I think um, uh, pressure, persecution, whatever you want to call it, those sorts of elements do actually refine people's walk with God. It either shakes them out or it brings them in. And mm. that is a time, and, and really it shouldn't be the time. We should be standing up now, but... This brings out, uh, I believe, the character of Christ in people and uh, the power of, of a godly countenance and witness as opposed to the this uh, uh, yeah ungodly pressure that's being placed. Yeah, yeah. David, thank you so much for that. Folks, look, let's come to some, some music. Uh, this is the Petersons. Uh, I love the words of this particular song, I know, who holds tomorrow in spite of everything that's actually going on. I know uh, who holds uh, tomorrow. Uh, please, please enjoy the Petersons. I don't know about tomorrow. I just live from day to
The Petersons, I know who holds tomorrow. What a fantastic promise that uh, that really is, uh, folks. We do have a giveaway book for you this uh, for Christmas this uh, week. Uh, the book's entitled Advent. Now, this is a real little beauty. This is uh, uh, designed in uh, thirty uh, daily devotionals. Uh, it's intended to be uh, read in the lead up to Christmas. But look, if you wanted to use it for your devotional life, uh, that would be absolutely fine. The book's entitled Advent. Something happened. Something happened that was so significant that every year we pause and sing songs about it. We share gifts with each other. We retell the story. Something happened that changed everything. Something very, very good. And uh, this book tells in 30 uh, distinct uh, presentations, uh, just a page or two long each, uh, that uh, the story uh, behind the uh, behind the Christmas season. So many of the questions behind the Christmas season are answered in this book. Now, look, if you'd like your own copy uh, of the book Advent, uh, all you need to do is uh, text us uh, at our studio. Now, that number is uh, 04888. 80811. That number again is 04888-80811. Now, all you need to do is to uh, just simply uh, give us the code. Now, the code is SA29. No, no gap between it at all. SA29. Just text us uh, here at the uh, at the studio, and you'll be contacted by our robot. And uh, our bot, his name's Faithful. Uh, he will uh, he'll contact you and ask for the, your details so that we can get this book to you in the fast as possible way. The book is Advent uh, and it's uh, hearing the, the good news about the story of Jesus uh, Jesus' birth. That number again, just text us, SA29 to 04888-80811. I believe you'll be richly blessed by uh, by this uh, this particular particular book. And now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary. Today our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher, and David's the uh, lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church uh, here in South Oz. Now this week uh, we're looking at the birth of Jesus Christ on Monday Nick and Will asked the question what caused all the excitement and they looked at the multitude of messianic prophecies that were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ if you missed that why not download our app and uh, you can go back and uh, and pick up that presentation I believe you'll greatly appreciate it yesterday I spoke with Eric Hoare about the birth of the Messiah and why was it actually so important to us today 
Today, we want to move into one of the more, I suppose, controversial questions. Uh, that question is, virgin birth, is a virgin birth reasonable in the day and age in which we actually live. Now, this is a really significant question. Now, look, about about two years ago, uh, some of you might be aware that uh, Kyle uh, Sandilands, a radio shock jock, uh, he uh, uh, he made some inflammatory uh, comments at this time of the year. Well, what a lot of people don't realise is that he was actually taken to court. Uh, as a result of those comments, and just in the uh, last uh, last few weeks, that's finally been settled out of court. Now, the um, uh, the newspaper that I uh, picked this up on uh, said uh, said this: Radio presenter Kyle Sandilands has quietly settled a court case over offensive comments he made about the Virgin Mary on his FM breakfast show almost two thousand uh, almost two years ago. Sandylands had joked in 2019 that uh, Virgin Mary wasn't actually a virgin at all and he ridiculed the idea of the Immaculate Conception by describing Christ's mother as a liar who had got knocked up behind a shed. Now, this, this is incredibly uh, offensive. Uh, one uh, one gentleman, a member of the Maronite uh, Catholic Church who lives in Canberra, was seeking damages for religious discrimination. Now, according to the Daily Tem- Telegraph, the parties uh, came to a confidential agreement on uh, just uh, a week or two back, uh, just before the court uh, ordered mediation was to happen. Uh, the uh, Mr. Farrar, who had taken uh, uh, Mr. Sandilands to court, had alleged Sandilands made a number of derogatory, divisive, and offensive comments directed at biblical miracles the fidelity and honesty of the Virgin Mary and the intelligence and gullibility of people of Christian faith. He claimed these remarks made him experience stress, tension, crying and humiliation, even though he did not hear the broadcast live and was only only received the broadcast when somebody in his workplace forwarded to him. On September 18, 2019, Sanderlands offended thousands of listeners by saying the Virgin Mary wasn't actually a virgin at all. After his comments went viral on social media, dozens of Christians and Muslim demonstrators gathered outside the studios to demand an apology for this ghastly joke. Now, the article went on to uh, uh, to say uh, last year, um, the uh, Australian Communications and Media Authority had investigated this uh, segment before it was taken to court and found that Kyle and Jackie O's show had breached decency standards. The investigation found the comments made by Sandylands were offensive to listeners of faith but didn't incite hatred or ridicule. Now, when it, uh, uh, that conclusion interests me no end, um, the commission said Australians are generally tolerant of irreverent humour and critical discussion about religion. Now, David, I'm just really conscious that uh, when I read this particular article, I sort of thought, well, I knew of the original case way back uh, a couple of, couple a couple of years, years ago. ago, and so it's, I sort of thought this is old news, but I didn't realise it had just been settled very quietly out of court, and this was a small article in one uh, uh, in one newspaper that I consulted. I mean, do you have any thoughts on this before we actually go into today's subject? Because we're talking about this issue of the Virgin Mary. I mean, is uh, you know, is it reasonable? 
to to respond? Well, I believe it is, and uh, this particular individual, that uh, Maronite Catholic Christian, that uh, complained and 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 went through the process. Uh, yeah, very brave individual. It's it's interesting that the ACMA, the Australian Communications and Media Authority, basically says that Australians are generally tolerant of irreverent humour and critical discussion about religion. And it didn't find, as you've said, it said that it was offensive but didn't incite hatred or ridicule. Well, he called them uh, dumb as... Uh, dog excrement. That's what he called uh, yeah, Carl yeah, Sagan, yeah, yeah. people uh, that believe There was things here I didn't read simply because I didn't want to actually yeah. to, to put those things back um, on radio again. So it seems to me that religion, and it was also interesting to note that Muslims also protested, yeah. not just Christians, um, about these remarks. Uh, but um, people of faith are an easy um, target, I think, for those that want to make cheap humour and yeah. cheap cheap yeah. jokes. Yeah. David, how would you respond to this? Because, you know, I mean, uh, certainly to the secular person out there, when you say that, hey, you know, the, a virgin conceived a child without a man being involved, because that's what we're talking about here, the secular person finds that rather far-fetched. They, they do, because we live in a culture and a society where if it can't be proven, um, then we don't believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we live in a, a culture that is reliant incredibly on science. We also need to remember that uh, there's a lot of things that science can't explain. That doesn't take away the reality of these things. It's mm. just simply that science can't explain them or can't explain them yet. Okay. Uh, but yet, yet the general populace uh, in our culture doesn't have a lot of room for the supernatural. Yeah. Although, I, I need to, to to qualify that, doesn't have a lot of room for the supernatural such as virgin birth and other things, but is open to the su- supernatural with star signs and all these other sorts of things and witchcraft and things like that, which is also supernatural yeah. but not from yeah. uh, not from God. So, so, Gary, I think it all comes down to um, people's viewpoints because if you speak to people that come from other cultures African cultures some of the South Pacific cultures and other cultures they will have no problem no question at all in believing in the supernatural in believing in the miracles not at all yeah yeah because they have actually many of them have actually seen it in their home lives when you say that hey you know um, supernatural things occur they can tell you stories I can well remember sitting down and talking to some folks who lived in the Highlands of Papua New Guinea and uh, that was certainly home hometown for them and uh, they certainly could tell some stories that could make your hair stand on end. Absolutely. So they will have experienced, and I've heard the stories myself from many, of the supernatural from God, but also the demonic supernatural. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So how would you respond, you know, is it reasonable today to be able to, to suggest that a virgin conceived and gave birth to a child? In our culture, we would say um, categorically no um, from the headset that we have. And so it comes down to, I believe it from is. From a biblical perspective. From a bib- so yeah, it comes down to our worldview. Okay. We go through a Western lens um, of, of how we view life and how we explain life, and we would say no. However, the Bible has stood the test of millennia. Mm-hmm. And the biblical worldview, and a worldview is is the lens or the glasses, if you like, that we see life and we try and explain life through. So um, 
It is what informs us, our worldview. So when we look at life through a biblical worldview, it actually, um, it actually imparts insight to everything that we see. For instance, Gary, I do believe it's logical. I do believe it's believable and I believe it myself. This is uh, the, in the this virgin is birth. The virgin, virgin birth. birth. Okay. So, so a biblical worldview is all important. The very beginning of Scripture, um, it tells a story of the creation of the world out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no, you know, there's not 15 handbooks to explain it. There is simply one sentence. Yeah. In, in the, the beginning, beginning God. God created the heavens and the earth. Or, yeah. or even shorter, as you've said, in the beginning, God. Yeah. In other words, the biblical worldview begins with God. God mm-hmm. is the answer. God is the source. God is the creator. In other words, the Bible is saying that there, uh, the Bible simply assumes that there are there's a supernatural existence beyond the physical that we actually see. Beyond what we can see, beyond what we can touch often. And so it's the biblical worldview that, for me, rules out evolution it's the biblical worldview that, for me, rules out theistic evolution, which is the idea that God started or he directed the evolutionary process. Mm-hmm. Now, many um, Christians today will hold a theistic uh, evolutionary view of creation in that God began things and then um, allowed... In other words, God, uh, theistic evolution, as I understand it, is the belief that God started the process of evolution... And then evolution took over. Exactly. Now, the, the, that for many Christians is plausible because they are trying to work that in with a secular worldview of yeah, science, if yeah, you like. Yeah. They're trying to, to bridge both, uh, lenses, so to speak. A- and yet a theistic evolutionary view, that view of creation makes God out to be a bumbling, incompetent creator, makes him the author of death and suffering, it, it sort of puts all of those things, uh, God being the author of death, the author of suffering, it puts that before humanity's sin. Yeah, yeah. So and, and th- that's actually quite a frightening thing when you think about it because it, what it means is that God has allowed suffering to develop over eons to get us to where we are now. And to me, as I read the Bible, the one thing we don't find is a God who wants to encourage or countenance in any way things like suffering. Well, everything in Genesis chapter 1, it says on on the seven days, six days of creation, then you had the Sabbath. It says that at the end of the day, everything he'd done was good. Yeah. So evolution or theistic evolution actually... um, teaches that that we are moving to a better point that that we are we are becoming more complex we're becoming more intelligent we're becoming better life forms and yet the biblical worldview tells us the complete opposite in other words what we've got here the biblical worldview is actually totally different to the secular worldview because the biblical worldview is quite happy to accept the understanding that there is a supernatural beyond the existence of what we see around us. Absolutely. So let's go to to an example here. And and this is the biblical account of creation. The scriptures describe the creation process, sorry, the creation process um, in, in, in the fact that God is completely in control of nature. 
and, and he spoke, and when he spoke, things came into existence. Psalm 33, 6, and also verse 9. I really love these verses. They're so powerful. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. For he spoke, verse 9, mm. and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Yeah. So this is the audible voice of the creator God when he speaks worlds come into existence Mm. this is the supernatural this is the biblical worldview Um, in Colossians 1 16 and 17 it says uh, we find out that God uh, basically formed the creatures and gave them life by his power and uh, this is what Colossians says on this topic it says for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. So this tells us that there is no theistic evolution. There is no evolution as such as science teaches. Instead, we have a creator God who speaks yeah. And things come into existence. It's a supernatural biblical worldview. Okay. Now, what I want us to do, though, David, is come and have a look at some of the evidence for this biblical worldview, because I'm really conscious our time is starting to get away from us just a little bit. And uh, one of the things I'm just really conscious of is that we can say, okay, you know, all these things are held by faith. And so often I hear Christians say, oh, now, look, these are faith statements, you know. You can't um, prove it. You can't prove it. You know, but David, is there any evidence out there that says, hey, the supernatural might actually have something to it. Look, there is, Gary, and thank you for for bringing us to this point, because I believe biblical prophecy and predictive prophecy is something that has, has brought courage and hope and faith to countless people. Who, who question the biblical worldview. Mm. Uh, let me give you an example. First of all, I guess a definition of prophecy. Prophecy is essentially a message from God communicated to a human prophet who shares it with their intended audience. Mm-hmm. And why does God use predictive prophecy? God uses predictive prophecy for a couple of reasons, I believe. Here are two. Predictive prophecy where God predicts something often hundreds of years before it happens. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to pass. And that gives you confidence, if you like, that in what God said hundreds of years ago actually comes true. So the purpose of predictive prophecy, they give us confidence in a God who is in charge as prophecy fulfilled becomes history experience. The other thing is they give us, predictive prophecy gives us a context and meaning to the journey and sorrows of this life. So as we experience pain and suffering and heartache, we know that God is in control. We know there is an end point. So um, throughout the Bible, there are hundreds of prophecies that have come and have been fulfilled, which give us confidence in the supernatural and, and, and to, in the biblical world. To me, David, you know, probably one of the most powerful, I know that I've, as, as I've certainly studied the scriptures, in Daniel chapter 9, there is an amazing prophecy there that talks about the coming of the Messiah. And what Daniel does is actually puts a, a date uh, on to the, when the Messiah is going to appear. Absolutely. And it actually talks about, um, really, it gives evidence for his baptism, his appearance, it gives evidence of his ministry, and it gives evidence of his sacrificial death. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, Gary, when you read the Gospels, uh, 
often, and I'm thinking of John chapter 2 with the uh, water into wine miracle that that Jesus did. His mum comes to him when they've run out of wine or grape juice, if you like, and she says, do something. And he says, look, my time has not yet come. Mm. Jesus was in touch with the prophecies of Daniel 9, knowing that his 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 um, uh, fulfillment of his ministry uh, you know his death had to be on time it had to be at Passover it had to be at the time of the evening sacrifice mm. and Daniel 9 we are talking you know 600 odd years 500 600 year, uh, 600 years before before Jesus and yet this was fulfilled exactly on time and and that is something, David, that I think that so many people don't actually recognize that when you start to, uh, uh to, to, to condemn the supernatural, what you're actually doing is fulfilling, is condemning things that have been remarkably fulfilled, uh, right, right across the, uh, the, the, right across history. We do. We see in, in the book of Jeremiah, um, 29, we discover that, um, Jeremiah predicts, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem. He predicts that Cyrus, a Persian king, would come and, and, and lead and would allow God's people to go back to Jerusalem. You find that in Second Chronicles 36 as well. And this is Jeremiah. He, and this was fulfilled later on, a couple of hundred years later. And, and that is something again. This just becomes quite repetitious. Now look, we'll come to some more in just a moment, but look, let's just come to some music, uh, right, right now. This is uh, a really beautiful, uh, song. This is, uh, Faith First singing, uh, Where There Is Faith. Please, please enjoy.
beautiful uh, song that really is thank you faith first for uh, sharing with us on on that uh, folks please uh, please remember we do have a free giveaway for you today the book is entitled advent uh, this is 30 devotionals for the uh, christmas uh, season uh, look if you'd like your own copy of advent we're happy to send it to you uh, all you need to do is to uh, text us here at our studio text number uh, that number is 04888 80811. That number again is 04888 80811. And all you need to do is just text us the code SA29, SA29. No gap between that. And then, uh, uh, you'll get a text back from our, uh, from our robot. Uh, his, uh, his name's Faithful. And, uh, he'll ask you for some information, uh, so that, uh, we can get it to you in the fastest, uh, possible number, uh, in the fastest possible way. And now that, um, uh, that number again is, uh, 04888 and the book is Advent and the code is SA29. You'll really appreciate that, uh, that particular book. Uh, now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with, uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, today our co-host is, uh, Pastor David Butcher and David's the uh, lead pastor of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in uh, South Oz. And the week before Christmas, we're looking at the birth of Jesus Christ. And today, uh, we're simply asking, is a virgin birth reasonable 
to be presented in the 2020s. Now, David, really appreciate what it is that you're actually been sharing. I love that concept of the uh, biblical worldview and how different it is to the secular worldview. And we're looking at the issue of evidence. Is there any evidence for that biblical worldview, though? Absolutely. We're looking at predictive prophecy. uh, And we just want to share a couple of messianic prophecies. And and there is probably about 300. So we're just going to share a couple. Genesis 49.10, the book written by Moses, talks about that the deliverer, the Messiah, would come from the tribe of Judah, Judah, Genesis 49.10. That's where Jesus came from. Micah, the Old Testament book written hundreds of years before Jesus was actually born, hundreds of years, actually says he'd be born in the town of Bethlehem, Mm. the city of David. And Micah 5.2 says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Now, it's interesting. Um, the, the author here, the human author Micah, talks about Bethlehem Ephratah. Mm. Um, there were two Bethlehems, one in northern Israel and one in Judah. And so the author Micah is specifically making sure hundreds of years in advance, that Jesus would come from the Bethlehem that is in... Uh, in, southern, in southern Judah. Absolutely. And it says, Out of you will come one whose goings forth are from everlasting, from old, from everlasting. This is a prophecy about Jesus who is divine, who has no beginning. Mm. He is God. Um, and this was fulfilled. Isaiah 53, verses 4, 11, and 12 uh, paints a picture of Jesus as this suffering uh, sacrifice, this lamb. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him. Him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, a picture of him on this earth and also his death. Uh, it says, He shall see the labor of his soul and be satisfied by his knowledge. My righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. When did this happen? Mm. On the cross. And verse 12. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. He, he was nailed between two thieves, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Mm. Again, Isaiah was written hundreds of years before Christ, and this was fulfilled perfectly. Jesus was the Passover the Lamb, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, as John the Baptist mm. said in John uh, chapter Chapter 1, verse 29. So predictive prophecy and the messianic prophecies give us confidence and certainty in the biblical supernatural worldview. Gary, uh, Christianity also espouses this concept of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yeah, and this is something I think that is equally powerful. A lot of people don't actually realize the amount of evidence there is out there for the real, literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you think about it, I mean, that's a, almost, to our secular world, it's almost a preposterous claim. I mean, this is something that's celebrated at Easter, uh, every, every year. But to the secular world, this is, this is a total mystery. I mean, how does a person who is dead, 
actually come back to life. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I've done many, many, many funerals. I've, you know, I've buried, I've put people in the ground because they are dead. I've said uh, prayers over them. But you know, David, the one thing I've never done is brought anybody back to life because that isn't in, within my authority. But what we have is a story uh, on the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. You know, David, that really says something to me about the supernatural again. It does, Gary, and as you're speaking, I was reminded to uh, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 22, where it says, For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, to the Jews a stumbling block, and to the Greeks foolishness. And it all revolves around, not on his death, mm. but was he actually uh, resurrected? Did he rise from the dead? And really the whole Christian experience stands or falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If there is no resurrection and if there was no resurrection, there'd be no Christian church. Jesus basically, uh, when he was questioned for a sign, he talked about uh, destroying this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And he was actually talking about the temple of his body. So much so that his his uh, followers um, basically recognize this in John chapter 2. Um, it says they remembered that he had said this to them and they believed the scripture uh, and the word which Jesus had said. Mm-hmm. Paul, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15, he says, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. So mm-hmm. everything is based on the re- resurrection of Jesus Christ. And really, Gary, there were three interest groups that could have taken Jesus's body. No one um, that has looked at history will dispute there was a man called Jesus of Nazareth mm-hmm. that was crucified. No one. And, and this is very clear if you look at the historical data. External sources from yeah, yeah, Scripture. Yeah. So there are only three groups that could have taken Jesus' body. The Romans, um, why would they steal Jesus' body? They were charged with keeping the peace in Palestine and stealing the body would have only brought brought uprising. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then you have the Jews. They wouldn't have taken the body. That would have been the last thing they wanted to do because that would have only proclaimed the truth or or the Mm. belief, I should say, of the resurrection. Uh, In fact, they were the ones that asked for a guard to be set around the tomb Mm. to stop anything happening. Uh, What about the disciples of Jesus? They had no reason to steal his body. And if they did do that, they would have been insane to later die and be martyrs for something that they knew to be untrue. Yeah. Instead, what we see through Scripture and the Gospels, uh, sorry, the New Testament, are the apostles proclaiming boldly the story of Jesus resurrected from the dead. Okay, so really what we actually have here is a picture, a biblical worldview that accepts a thing called the supernatural. It's happy to say that we have an eternal God who created all things. It's happy to say that miracles do exist. It's happy to present predictive prophecy. And for that one, there is a huge amount of evidence that simply says, hey, predictive prophecy does and has occurred. Then, of course, you've got the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You put all these things together and we just simply say, hey, what an amazing God we're actually serving here. Because, uh, you know, what about the virgin birth itself? 
Yeah, very good, Gary. Um, and as you, you quite rightly said there at the beginning, there is this whole concept, uh, Kyle Sandylands, this issue over mocking such yeah, a thing yeah. as a virgin birth. Essentially, um, uh, the Gospels make it very clear in, in Luke chapter 1, it talks about, um, do not be afraid, Mary. This is verse 30 and 31. Do not be afraid, Mary, the angel says, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. And then in verse 34 and 35, Mary says, how can this be since I do not know a man? I haven't had sexual relationships, she says. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. In other Mm. words, this is an immaculate, uh, this is the Holy Spirit, um, not born of a man, but uh, the... This this is an act of God that is presented in Scripture. It's presented the same way as many other miracles. It's presented the same way as the uh, as the creation story. It's presented the same way as predictive prophecy, for which we have a great deal of evidence. It's presented the same way as the resurrection of Jesus Christ, for which we have a great deal of evidence. Do you know, to me, as I just sort of look at this, you know, once you're prepared to accept the predictive prophecy in an area, when you're prepared to accept the supernatural in an area like, for example, predictive prophecy or the resurrection, then what is for which there is a great deal of evidence, what is the problem with actually accepting that the supernatural does actually exist? And that is the thing that we need to cling to because we're living in a world that um, says we have to get proof, we have to have hard, rock-solid proof yeah. Uh, and yet as we look at these things, there is more evidence, I believe, for the resurrection than there is not. Yeah, yeah. Um, the virgin birth. Yeah. So we need to be open to having a biblical worldview of, of what God says because we are living in a supernatural realm. We're living in a world where there is an unseen, unseen realm which the devil... Um, comes in from time to time, we see his acts, we see his fingerprints, but we also see God if our eyes are open and knowing that he is in control of human history. David, thank you so much for that. Folks, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you now. We want to say thank you for sending us Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for being an amazing God who has created, who has sent us prophetic word, uh, who has uh, raised up Jesus Christ from the dead, a uh, Lord who uh, who has just done so many great uh, and wondrous things. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd be with each person that is listening to us today. If there's anyone who's struggling this Christmas season, I pray that your spirit might give them your peace at this time. Uh, Lord, I just ask and pray these things in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. Well, folks, uh, that does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us uh, tomorrow when Pastor Fabiano and Pastor Hugh Heenan, they're going to be looking at the question, is the Christmas story still relevant uh, to our age? Really look forward to joining you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.